came across a story this week uh, that I highly recommend you read. You can find it at uh, thewalrus.ca by Gina Mortfield. It's, um, it's about our system of justice as it affects people in remand. Every day in this country, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people in custody awaiting trial on charges that they haven't been convicted of. In fact, quite often the charges, you know, not not the majority, but close, um, don't lead to convictions, okay? So thousands of people spend time behind bars waiting for court dates, and the wait keeps getting longer and longer. You know there's been some instances in Alberta where um, people were released because they didn't get a, a timely trial. So it, it's not an ideal system. And those long, long waits come with tremendous risks, deadly Risk Suicide rates are much, much higher for this population of Canadians. And uh, as I say, our interest in this came from a great piece by Gina Mortfield. Again, you can read it um, at thewalrus.ca. Helping us to get a little insight as to what's going on is Alexander Simpson, who's a chair in forensic psychiatry at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. He also works um, as uh, CAMH Forensic Early Intervention Services at Toronto South Detention Centre. So this is exactly uh, what we're dealing with. Um, Dr. Simpson, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Um, we're talking primarily about people that are waiting in custody. And, and, I mean, it's a huge number, right? I mean, we literally have thousands and thousands and thousands of people in remand awaiting court dates. Correct. In provincial custody, it's the uh, uh, the overwhelming majority of people detained are on remand. Um, so as you said earlier, haven't been convicted of any offence. Some may be innocent and others are awaiting um, conviction and sentence. Uh, but it's a rapidly turning over population. Often lengths of stay can be quite short. So it's a very unstable period in people's lives, uh, a time of great legal and personal uncertainty. And with those kinds of conditions, like you say, a lot of people, uh, a lot of uncertainty, things moving quickly, in some cases the wait's getting longer, all these sorts of things, um, it's not a pleasant existence for anybody, correct? Uh, no, it's, that's correct. I mean, they've often been arrested. Uh, the point of arrest itself may be a crisis in their lives, but there may be a crisis leading up to that. So it's been a period when uh, when all has not been well, um, to uh, put it mildly, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, who, who then wind up in, in custody in uh, a situation of great legal uncertainty. Uh, and depending, and it varies greatly across the country in terms of the quality of the facility that you're in, talking physical plant, uh, now um, and uh, so the conditions may may be um, quite good in some facilities and quite difficult in others. And this population, I mean, they've run into legal issues, so they've got that to deal with. But like you say, there's often conditions that led up to that moment in time, and one of them, or some of them, in a numerous cases, are mental health issues and substance abuse issues. Right? That's pretty common in this population. Correct. Uh, generally, um, internationally, the figure is about 15, 1-5% of people coming into custody have a, um, a very significant mental health problem. So that's a diagnosis of a psychotic illness, bipolar disorder, or current major depression. And, uh, but there are also, there's another group on top of that with less serious mental health disorders. And then there's about half the people coming into custody have significant drug and alcohol um, uh, addiction or um, use disorders, uh, and lifetime prevalence of those disorders is usually up over 80%. So uh, it's a group with a lot of substance misuse problems um, and some uh, very significant mental health problems. 
Now, I'm not the expert here, you are, but I'm pretty certain that those conditions that we're talking about only get um, exacerbated in the settings that we're talking about in the remand centre, right? Um, well, uh, th- that's from what I've said before. Actually, the answer to that is often no, uh, because people are coming in in a point of crisis. So right, they're so often coming in because they're, they're very unwell uh, or something has gone uh, wrong for them. And uh, they often uh, then are able to access health care or get reestablished on treatment that they're on before they came into custody or they should do. It's the responsibility of um, the health services in custodial settings to make sure that that happens. And often uh, people, therefore, settle down for a bit. They can't get access to the drugs and alcohol they were using in the community. It may be once they're over their... Um, the withdrawal period, which often can be rough for the first few days after coming into custody, um, the, the addiction drive settles down. Now, that's problematic if you're abusing opiates because as soon as you get back out again, uh, you, you can, you're at heightened risk of death. Uh, from, if yes. you resume your previous level of opioid use. So uh, that emphasizes the instability. Um, but the problem is if you have a serious mental illness, for instance, or actually for anyone who's marginally coping with homelessness and, and drug misuse also, is often what limited support you had in the community are further disrupted by the process of incarceration. So you're often going back to heightened um, difficulty or chaos or marginalization as a consequence of the incarceration as well. So, um, you know, the response, the remand in custody may feed further problems that uh, make it harder to reintegrate. In terms of managing this and trying to deal with this, I mean, that's what you do. How is the system? How how adequately do you think it's meeting the need? Well, the system varies province to province, and I'm not an expert in what sure. Alberta does, except I do know that Alberta Health Services is, are responsible for the mental health services in custody. That's similar to BC and to Nova Scotia. Other parts of the country do it differently here in Ontario. It's primarily the responsibility of corrections, but in some high, um, high turnover settings like Toronto South, where I work, uh, you've got both the mental health system, my team, going in there, as well as the mm-hmm. corrections provided, psychi- uh, psychiatry and nursing. So it's a dual um, service, single program model. So it depends where you are. The tasks that need to be done, uh, one is the first, the most important thing is screening and triage. So to detect everybody at the point of reception who may have a mental health problem. So all prisons should have a system of screening at the point of reception. And, uh, because that'll probably screen a third of the men positive and over half the women, um, positive. You then need a mental health triage that follows that, which is usually a, um, a triage interview with a mental health nurse or social worker or um, a trained mental health brain, if you will, um, to work out what your needs are. That may be continuance of medication you were having right, in the yeah. community, maybe re-establishment of that. It may be about suicide risk or acute mental health uh, risk so that the person can go to the housing or if it needs to access urgent mental health care that they may need. So that's, you really that first day or two after remand in custody needs fairly intense mental health screening, triage and assessment to make sure that we get on top of those issues quickly. How well that happens varies across the country. And, of course, you don't spot everybody at the point they come into custody. People can fly under any screening radar, and you need to have systems that make sure you detect people who may have come in looking reasonably right, but whose 
health deteriorates in custody. And what about, you know, continuity? Like you say, this is pretty transient. Some of them aren't there very long. Is there follow-up or would they just sort of leave and there'd be no continuation of, um, you know, monitoring or care or treatment or whatever, and then maybe they end up back in custody six months later and you start all over again? It varies um, jurisdiction to jurisdiction, okay. but you, I mean, you're defining really important issues uh, because the point of incarceration may well um, disconnect you from your mental health service. Somebody yeah, doesn't yeah. turn up for care for a few uh, times, so uh, at times people get discharged from somebody's caseload because they're in custody, they get back out and their care systems have, have disappeared or their housing's disappeared or their health card is gone so they can't get the prescription filled out and so on. Um, so there are huge problems with that. Um, there are good models to manage that, but that means community mental health in reach into the facilities to make sure there's continuity of care and to pick the person up as soon as they're released. But courts often release people directly from court or without consultation with health facilities, and we're chasing our tails to try and uh, get people uh, back into care. Here in Toronto, huge delays in getting access to specialist community mental health teams. So people are often struggling uh, for months before they can, uh, can get access to the levels of care they need, having come out of custody. Sure. And just as you describe, uh, what we find predicts reincarceration is having a serious mental illness, being homeless, uh, and the more ill you are at the point, the last time we saw them in prison also predicts coming back, uh, and most particularly um, crack cocaine and crystal methamphetamine, yes. which are the, the real serious brain toxins in terms of, uh, of undermining mental health and causing people to come into custody. So the more of those we've got in our society, the more trouble we're in. It's not the opioids that bring you into custody, really. Those are the ones that are killing people, um, but the, the ones that are just mental health for some yeah, people yeah. are um, methamphetamine and crack. Yeah, different impacts. Uh, doctor, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, but thank you so much for being here.